Welcome to Aches and Gains, a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, pain specialist at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Pain has reached epidemic proportions, and chronic pain affects a staggering 25% or more of the population. Its human impact is real and is felt by infants, children, all the way to older adults. But there's hope and there's treatment. This show will offer compelling stories of those who found relief and offer insight into treatments that can ease pain and human suffering. On today's show, we'll focus on the pain related to sports. We'll talk to Peggy Fleming, 1968 figure skating gold medalist, to former Ravens defensive end Michael McCrary about how his knee pain ended his career. After that, We'll hear from Baltimore Orioles team orthopedic surgeon, Dr. John Wilkins, about common sports injuries and how to prevent and treat them. Toward the end of the half hour, I'll answer email questions. Send me your questions to achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Back with Peggy Fleming after these messages. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Neurogesics, and Boston Scientific. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. I'm joined by Peggy Fleming, 1968 Olympic gold medalist in U.S. figure skating, who's won five U.S. titles and three world championships. Peggy, do you believe that athletes like yourself, who are highly trained and focused, perhaps have some internal ability to overcome pain? You know, we are so attuned to our energy level and our fitness level and all of those things that it just puts our radar on a different level than the average person. Which specific areas of your body are most vulnerable? I had a knee problem when I was very young. I think I was like 12 or 13. And I was given a cortisone injection, and it seemed to fix the problem. But I always babied it. I was also taught to take care of injuries when they're little injuries. Don't push them too far because pain is a sign of something is hurting, something's wrong. You need to pay attention to it and do something about it. Was that something that your figure skating coach suggested to you? No, it was my parents, my dad. It was just common sense, and coaches know that as well. But sometimes an athlete or someone will push through the pain, and that's when you really get yourself in trouble if you don't exactly know what that pain is. So I was always told, okay, try to fix the problem or stay off of it for a little bit and ease back in. And that always seemed to work for me. But when you do little injuries like that or lift something in the wrong position, that's how you're going to get yourself in trouble. Well, Peggy Fleming, thank you very much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Oh, you're welcome. I love the name of your show. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, a leading pharmaceutical company focused in specialty-driven markets, including pain management, and dedicated to improving and protecting quality of life for people around the world. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, 
please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. We're talking with former NFL defensive end Michael McCrary about the chronic pain that ended his pro football career. Michael, what kinds of treatments did you receive when you were playing football to help you play the game in essence? Before you go out and practice, because your legs were stiff, you'd you'd warm it up with ultrasound, and then you'd use some electric stem to try to loosen the joints up, go out there and practice, and then it was immediate ice. Uh, It got to the point I spent more time in the treatment room than I did in practice or in the game. Were you given any injections into the knee or into the muscles of anything, local anesthetics or any type of steroids to help you get through the game? Because I think that's a question that maybe a lot of people wonder in terms of professional football players and how do they get through the games with that much pain? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the NFL is a um, sport and the job of the, the trainers there is to get you on the field. It's not really to get you well for the rest of your life, it's to get you on the field so you can play. It's a business. So some of the treatments I had, there is prednisone, which is a steroid, cortisone, every type of pain medication available that would help me out. In fact, what was the advice of the trainers and maybe the coaches when they learned that you had knee pain? Well, we would try, we'd try to treat the pain. You know, we'd, we'd work on it together. I'd treat the pain while I was playing before practice with ice, and, and I'd take the necessary pain medicine, and then after practice... You know, it's ice. It's like ice became part of your life. I might as well live in a freezer. So the ice would dull the pain and allow you to play the game? You would ice all week, and you would ice after practice, before practice. Uh, My last two years, I didn't even practice. I just played. But you kept your knees iced because you had to keep the swelling out, and you would take the necessary pain medicines just to, you know, get through the day and walk around. Would the trainers ever suggest that you stop playing or that if you stop playing now, you may not develop pain that persists in the knees? I don't think the trainers... It's not their job. They can't tell you to stop playing. And I, don't, I, don't, I don't think there would be trainers for long if they recommended you stop playing. Their job is to get you on the field. I, don't think, they, I think they're just doing their job. I mean, in line with that, do you feel as though professional football players are afraid to reveal pain to the coaches or to the trainers for fear perhaps of losing their job? Absolutely. If you're in a situation where it's a close competition between you and another individual and you're in pain and you're hurting, you don't really want to reveal it because nobody's there playing the violin for you. It's a tough game out there and it's a physical game and oh, you can't reveal it. There's, there's no way. If you're going into a contract situation, you really don't want to reveal it. But you know, the x-rays and the MRIs tell the whole story so they know. In football, you play injured, you play hurting. The only way that you're not going to play out there is if you have something broken or severely sprained, you can barely move. But other than that, you find a way to get out there and, and play for your teammates. Were you concerned at any point that continuing to play the game of football would worsen your injury? That's the, the funny thing about it. Didn't really think about it while I was playing. And I probably should have thought about it, but it, for some reason, you know, you get so used to getting injured, and you go in there, they fix you up just like an automobile. You run into another vehicle, they just take the dent out. In the NFL, the technology they have in the training rooms, they can get you up and running in no time compared to uh, an average person. You catch a cold, you're in and out in one day. 
It's amazing what they can do in there to get you back on the field. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at drpaulchristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. We're talking with former NFL defensive end Michael McCrary about the chronic pain that ended his pro football career. Michael, which treatments were particularly helpful with respect to your knee pain and which were not? The majority of the pain medicines do a pretty good job at masking the pain. I mean, really, you're not fixing the injury, you're just masking it. Did the pain end your career as a professional football player? Absolutely, hands down, no doubt. Woke up one morning, uh, probably 3 o'clock in the morning, and had trouble getting up and going to the restroom. I said, wow, it's something, you know, this isn't right. You know, if I can barely walk 10 feet to the restroom, and then I'm going out there playing on Sunday, and this, it just doesn't add up. And that's, that's the moment that it hit me. So then I went and got uh, outside advice from other doctors, and after speaking with those doctors, uh, I told the Ravens I'd be retiring. What was their response? Uh, they understood, obviously, because they knew I wasn't practicing for two years. It's unheard of for a player not to practice, to go out there and practice, just show up on Sundays and, and plays. So they, they knew my time was limited. But when you're in a team sport and in a team environment, look at your, your teammates as your brothers and you want to go out there, and, and it's hard to see them out there getting pushed around, and you want to be out there to help support them and, and, um, and play with them. So it was, it was tough. It was tough for me. It sounds like it. You know, it's interesting because I've interviewed a couple other professional athletes, a ballerina and an ice skater, and I wonder whether they and yourself are at the time more easily able to overcome pain because your body is better conditioned or because you have concrete goals that you must achieve. I think it's a combination. It really is. I remember clearly my last season and it was in pregame, and we'd be out on the field stretching before the game, <clears throat> and I'll get up to do jumping jacks, and it would take me 30 seconds, 40 seconds just to get up from sitting down and to, to do jumping jacks. And I was like, well, this is ridiculous. I'm going out there to play 60 minutes, and yet I can barely move before the game. And, and I remember I just had, you know, it was something I had to do, so I just blocked it out. I mean, you really, over the years, I gained a talent of just blocking it out mentally and focusing on what I needed to do. So it was what you had just mentioned was a combination of being able to train your mind to block it out and then also having that absolute focus on doing what you had to do, doing your job, finishing your goal. You know, pain is defined as both having a physical component and an emotional component. Can you describe the emotional component that pain has had in your life? Well, I believe it was uh, probably my, my third year with the Ravens, and I was talking to a doctor, and, and he thought I needed to see a psychiatrist. He thought there was I might have been depressed. So I went to the psychiatrist. They diagnosed me as depressed, and I, I said, well, how am I depressed? You know, I'm, I'm at the top of my game, and uh, I've achieved everything I've always wanted to achieve when it came to football. How can I be depressed? 
And the doctor told me that it was because of the pain. They said it was a reaction from the pain. It can actually cause depression. That's right. What do you recommend for the listening audience in terms of those people who have pain now and who've had pain, persistent pain for years and years, in terms of how to overcome the pain in, this, in the way that you did? Because you really have triumphed over your knee pain. I mean, you're not necessarily participating in professional football, but you did and you excelled. And now you're pursuing other endeavors. And uh, I think you're a consultant, it sounds like. So you've achieved yet in another area. And I'm, I want to know what you can recommend to those who are listening who have pain in order to overcome it and to give them hope. It was an everyday challenge. You know, one of the side effects of the pain is fatigue. And that's something that I deal with every day. I try to take a nap and get my rest in uh, in the middle of the day. If that's all you're dealing with is the pain, there's so many other people in this world that are a whole lot less fortunate. People who don't have limbs to have pain in. So that's the way that I think that, that you know, there's, there's people in worse situations than I am, and they're getting through it. So I can too. Is there a particular support person that you had in your life that helped you get through it? Oh, my, my wife. Oh, my wife, is, she pushes me hard. She's on me about it, that's for sure. But she understands, and, it, and it's, it's something that my wife has to deal with, too, because she sees me in pain. She, she has to hear about how my knees are bothering me four times a day. Sometimes I don't even realize I'm saying it. I'm so used to saying it. So it's not just the individual that has to learn to overcome the pain. It's also the family around that individual. And it has become a, a family effort, really, a team, another team sport. But now your, your team is your family, and, it's, and your objective is to get through the pain every day. That's a great analogy. That really is. Well, Michael uh, McCreary, I thank you very much for sharing your time today and for providing suggestions to those who are listening who have persistent pain and who are in hopes of overcoming it. After the break, we'll hear from Baltimore Orioles team orthopedic surgeon, Dr. John Wilkins, about common sports injuries and how to prevent and treat them. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Neurogesics, a biopharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing novel pain management therapies. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. I'm speaking with Dr. John Wilkins, Baltimore Orioles team orthopedic surgeon, about common sports injuries and how to prevent and treat them. Dr. Wilkins, you've made a career out of treating professional athletes. Tell me a little about that experience. Well, it's a very humbling and challenging experience because I think what pain means to the professional athletes is interference with their ability to perform, and obviously there's a lot of premium on them being on the field and performing. So we use pain as a guide to improve their performance, and so that's that's the humbling part. And when you take these high-level athletes, you take them and you got to make them throw from 85 miles per hour up to 95 miles per hour, that's a humbling and challenging job. How many of the players whom you treat suffer from pain? Well, I think in a course of a season, whether it be the Baltimore Orioles or any other uh, Division One football team, I think you'll eventually end up seeing everybody on the team sometime or another that there's always, whether it be an injury, an overuse injury, you'll get to know everyone on the team. And I'm wondering in your practice, how many overuse injuries do you see in, in the youth now? I think it's a very common injury in the, in the youth. Well, you can talk about the other population of the youth where they're not athletes and they're couch potatoes and they end up having a different set of orthopedic injuries. But the kids that get identified early as athletes who can play at high school with the potential of playing at the college professional levels, they tend to get pushed pretty hard 
and they end up developing these overuse injuries. Back uh, 20, 30 years ago, these kids would play two or three sports, use different body parts, but now we've got to this age of specialization with kids, and they may be playing baseball 10, 11, 12 months a year, and just like a paper clip, you just keep bending at the same place, eventually it'll it'll break, and I think some of these kids that just play one sport are probably more at risk for overuse than overuse. When you talk to the parents of kids who are, what, as young as maybe seven or eight, who have overuse injuries and explain the situation to them, explain what the MRI or x-ray may show, and if you advise them against continuing to play, what is the typical response of, of their parents? Yeah, that, that response usually, that discussion usually becomes a little contentious more in the high school level when kids begin to identify themselves. Kids in general tend to be very youthful and playful, and sports is a, just part of their life up through through middle school. Once you get to high school and there's a commitment of time and energy both by the parents and the child, um, there tends to be a bigger investment by the, by the parents in their kid's career. And unfortunately, when you get identified as a good athlete younger, then the parents tend to be more hands-on, and they tend to push the kids a little bit because they see an opportunity for the kid to advance themselves, college, and possibly professional career. I don't think the parents are selfish, but they're just um, looking to push your kids to give them every opportunity athletically. Unfortunately, um, they equate some of the injuries that they see on TV with professional athletes with the same injuries that they see in their child, and they are a little bit different. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Aches and Gains is also available live online. I'm speaking with Dr. John Wilkins, Baltimore Orioles team orthopedic surgeon, about common sports injuries and how to prevent and treat them. Dr. Wilkins, can you tell me a little bit about the Tommy John surgery and and especially whether you're seeing more and more of these among the youth? Paul, the uh, Tommy John surgery is a surgery designed to reconstruct the ulnar collateral ligament. It's a a ligament in in the elbow. And typically we see this as an attritional injury. Injuries worn down over years and years of throwing. And this Tommy John was the first person this was performed on, and it was a veteran pitcher, and was able to extend his career uh, for a couple more years. However, as we put a premium on kids throwing faster and throwing more often, uh, we're seeing this ulnar collateral ligament injury much, much sooner. We've actually seen this in high school level, and some of these kids can actually not have an attritional injury, but actually pop their ligament or tear their ligament. And we are now forced with these kids uh, have demonstrated some potential to play baseball with these ulnar collateral ligament injuries. And we are fixing these things, but it's, it's the, the jury's still out. Right, about whether these kids will ever make it to the college or professional level. You know, I was amazed to read that parents of children, for example, who have sustained this injury and require the surgery, view the surgery as almost a performance enhancer and a way to advance their child in youth sports. Have you seen this? Yes, I have, Paul. I think... Uh, there are several people in the country that do this surgery on the professional athletes, and they've been able to return uh, pretty predictably uh, professional pitchers back to professional athletics, and, and they seem to perform at the same level. And we tend to think that's going to happen when you do this youth, youth baseball. 
But it, sometimes if your ligament's popping at age 17 or 18, it might be secondary to bad mechanics, and there's probably, um, that probably leads to some of the injury versus just attritional, meaning um, this thing just got worn out. It's just because of bad mechanics that this thing, this thing happens. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Follow us on Twitter at drpaulchristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. I'm talking with Dr. John Wilkins, who is the team orthopedic surgeon for the Baltimore Orioles, about sports pain today. Dr. Wilkins, what kind of treatments do you typically prescribe to professional athletes when they're injured and suffer from pain? I, I think, again, because pain is so common, we, we try to identify the etiology of the pain. Obviously, if someone has sustained a hamstring pull, or has a contusion from a bruise, that, that's a different thing. But if they develop an overuse injury, you try to identify the biomechanical thing that led to that and try to correct that. Because if you get rid of the shoulder or elbow or knee pain, don't correct the mechanics, that will come back. We typically use some over-the-counter non-steroidals. Uh, very seldom do we use um, just prescription strength non-steroidals. If we do, it's for a short period of time. And we have given uh, prescription strength, again, for short periods of time, because the goal is to, this pain is to identify the, the, the problem and then help us diagnose and treat the problem. If the pain persists, then we usually end up with getting some type of imaging study to find out if there's something structurally wrong or if this just is an overuse. You know, there's a hype now in the news about the use of opioids or narcotics for pain and the perceived risk of addiction associated with that. Do you treat athletes, professional athletes, or non-professional athletes, recreational athletes with uh, narcotics? Extremely rare. I, I can't say I haven't. Uh, usually it's for people that have pain that interferes with sleep or the activities of daily living. If they are typically not playing and they're um, having difficulty navigating activities of daily living, can't sleep, I'll prescribe some opioids for that situation. So you can get addicted to them, and then if you ever do need to do surgery, it's hard to treat their pain after surgery. Would you tell us what some of the newer techniques are in x-ray and imaging of the bones and the muscles that are useful in helping to diagnose overuse injuries or other types of orthopedic injuries? I think probably the biggest thing that impacts us imaging people is the MRI, and the MRI is very readily available. Um, in fact, uh, most people insist on it when they have a sports-related injury, and it's not so much for the diagnosis. Uh, impingement pain or elbow pain is very easy to diagnose because you can have a, a constellation of symptoms or a physical exam that will help you uh, make that diagnosis. But the MRI can kind of give you where you are in that stage of disease. Is this just inflammation, tendonitis? There's a tear, partial tear, there's a complete tear, and can kind of give you some idea what the local biology is around that. The MRI can, it's not a picture, but it's a computer-generated image and gives us a lot of information. And it helps us, I, I, I refrain from using the word a crystal ball, but it certainly gives us an idea how long this injury might take to get better. If someone has pulled a hamstring and we get an MRI and we see some muscle edema, it may be two weeks. If the muscle tearing, it might be three or four weeks before he's back. And that's very good information, and at least in professional athletics, to let the administration know how long that athletes can be out. If you had then one message for the audience with respect to sports, sports injury, and pain, what would it be? What would be the take-home message? I think being athletic and active is a, a good thing, and I encourage people not to be discouraged by their injury. But I think certain things that help prevent that would be a good conditioning program, strengthening program, a cardiovascular program, and then have scheduled rest. I mean, 
you, you can't exercise seven days a week. You need to take some time off and let the body respond to that. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Each week, we invite you to email Dr. Christo with your questions at achesandgains at gmail.com. Eileen from Baltimore asks, is exercise a bad idea when you have lower back pain? Eileen, if the low back pain is mild or moderate in severity, exercise is fine, but try low-impact aerobics and supportive resistance training with fewer weights and more repetition. Swimming is an excellent aerobic exercise that builds muscle in the setting of a low-impact activity. If the cause of low back pain hasn't been determined and the pain worsens with exercise, I would seek out the advice of your primary care physician, sports medicine specialist, or pain specialist. Tune in next time when we explore another interesting topic on aches and gains. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. Aches and Gains is produced by Eric Vohr and Dr. Paul Christo. Ty Ford is the audio engineer, and Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.